Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Thad Haight. I'm Carl Wonders. And we are talking about Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Yes, we are. The best Bond film from 2015. <laughs> Seriously, like this this could this this is right up there with the you know the Pierce Brosnan era of Bond, except oh, that it was 15, it's a little right. more realistic. Yeah. 2015. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yes, it was certainly better than the actual Bond film of that year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, fun fact, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, No Time to Die Blu-ray just came out in the last couple weeks, yep. and I'm like, and I decided this past weekend, I'm like, okay, I gotta sit down, I'm gonna watch Spectre and No Time to Die back-to-back, and, <laughs> you know, they're probably, just to, you know... Get the experience because Quantum of Solace works really well if you watch it back to back with Casino Royale. So, well, maybe if I watch Spectre and No Time Together, maybe I'll like Spectre more. And it is entirely possible that that is true. But the problem is you have to get through Spectre to get to No Time to Die. And I wasn't (laughs) able to do it. (laughs) Yeah, at least with Quantum of Solace, you get to watch that second. (laughs) Right. I made it like 45 minutes into Spectrum. I'm like, yeah, I still hate this movie and turned it off. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, so fun fact that, that, you know, that this movie actually was supposed to come out in December of 2015, but because Spectre and The Force Awakens were coming out around the same time, they pulled they uh, pulled it forward and released it in July instead. So this came out first. That's something that doesn't happen often is a movie will get released earlier. Usually they'll right. push it back. Mm-hmm. I was reading a little bit more of the background and they actually stopped filming this movie at one point because they had no idea where the script was going. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, but you wouldn't know from this. Uh, no, you really wouldn't. I think it, no. it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I we were talking before we hit record, and I don't, I can't remember if I've seen this film since it came out. Uh, I might have maybe once, and I had forgotten just how good it is. Actually, I did a complete franchise rewatch. Um, when uh, Fallout came out on Blu-ray, I decided to just watch all of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen it twice. I saw it actually in a drive-in theater uh, when it first came out. And then, because I live in one of the few states in the country that still has multiple drive-in theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, Like, I don't know why that's a claim to fame of Pennsylvania, but it is. (laughs) They have the most drive-in theaters of any other state, somehow. Huh. We used to have one in my hometown, but it's no longer there. Mm. Well, as I'm sure you can guess, there used to be one in Carlisle, but it's closed. Uh, (laughs) Of course. But there is actually one near me now, uh, near where I, uh, that I've I've been to a few times. Um, okay. But anyway, uh, I saw this in driving theater. I really liked it. I watched it again after Fallout came out, and yeah, it's it's a very solid movie. I think it works mm-hmm. really well. It also works as a standalone movie because we know Fallout takes place like is a direct sequel to this, basically. Yes. But. While I think Fallout certainly requires Rogue Nation to understand the context of Fallout, mm-hmm. I think Rogue Nation stands alone just fine. Yeah, I mean, the the, the way they end the film, certainly it, everything's wrapped up. Uh, for all we know, Lane is going off to prison somewhere, and mm-hmm. we're not going to see him again, you know, but I that's not where this goes. I they have enough evidence to actually convict him of anything. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do they ever convict people in these movies? <laughs> Yeah, I doubt Lane would ever go to trial for anything. Yeah. Um, one one other fun fact before we maybe get into the movie itself. Uh, I was reading that... And, and, you know, Tom Cruise is amazingly in shape, and he's still amazingly in shape. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time that I noticed he's looking older. Yes, he definitely looks... He definitely looks older, but he looks... Yes. Yeah. Uh, if, if I could be half as... If I could look half as good as he does in this movie at when I am, I don't know, what what is he, like late 40s at this point in this movie? So I, I haven't done the math, but my the the trivia I saw said oh, that no, he he's, is... Oh, no, he's older than that. He was, yeah. he's, he was born in 62. Right. So, so he was... Uh, okay, and 50, I'm sorry, I have to 50s. address Tom Cruise's real name here for a second. Okay. Because I don't think I ever knew it before. 
Thomas okay. Cruz Mapother the Fourth. Mapother. Mapother. M a p o t h e r is his last name. Thomas Cruz Mapother the Fourth. Yes, Cruz is his middle name. Interesting. I think that was a good choice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No one's going to see the latest Tom Mapother flick. You're right. <laughs> but yes, no, Tom Cruise was, was yeah, 53 in this movie. Right. So yeah. still looking much younger than a 37-year-old Sean Connery. <laughs> yes. Yes, and, very much so. <laughs> that's going to be a running gag, I think, oh, on yeah. the show. Um, also, I was reading that he is, as of this movie, when he made this movie, he was only five years younger than John Voight was in the first movie. So, yep. He looks better than John Voight. Yes. Uh, he looks better than John Voight than he does now, right? Like, today. <laughs> he looks better today than John Voight did then. Did in, in Mission Impossible 1, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you were saying that in this movie, it, it kind of stands alone. I do like, and I think we threw it out briefly at the end of last week, like how they do drop the syndicate. They do a name drop there at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he gets the little recording as he's mm-hmm. walking off the, the, wherever they are, the docks or whatever. Right. Uh, which, which is a thing from the, from the TV show. The syndicate is like a recurring villain in the, the TV show. Speaking of, sorry, uh, if this just occurred to you, you're talking about people that look old or look young. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is only, in this movie, Tom Cruise is only two years younger than William Hartnell was when he played the doctor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so think about that for a second. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. People got old early back in the back in the day, though. Yeah, that's yeah. Skin care has come a long way in fifty years. Yeah. So what we said, Tom Cruise was fifty three in this yeah. movie. Yes, William Hartnell was fifty five when Doctor Who aired. Okay. Which is also sort of, yeah, wow, sort of terrifying when you think about it. How how that he because he looked a lot older than that. Well, well, speaking of looking old, he's only three years younger than Roger Moore was in Octopussy. <laughs> yes. So. Some people just don't age the same. This is true. Yeah. Tom Cruise doesn't age at all. He's got that. You know, Scientology, the Church of Scientology is pumping him full of, you know, all sorts of things, I'm sure. Right. But anyway, yeah, I, I yes, he de- when you look at his jawline, you can definitely tell that he's older and his yes. face is craggier. Mm-hmm. But his hair he's... is also not great in this movie, even though it's an odd numbered film. But, <laughs> so so there goes my theory. Yeah, it's a little too long. Yeah. But yeah, it, Overall, yes, I think he still looks fantastic, and he he's still a believable secret agent. We're not in a Roger Moore octopusy situation yet. No, we aren't even in the next movie. <laughs> no, we probably won't be in the next movie, which is coming out this year sometime. I think. Is Jeremy Renner in Mission Impossible Seven? Nope, he's not. Listed. He is not. He's still under contract for one more movie, though. Oh, is he? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I guess he signed a three-year or a three-film contract. For the series, but he does not, he does not, he is sir not appearing in this film in Fallout. (laughs) That's a reference I wasn't expecting you to make. (laughs) (laughs) And the aptly named sir not appearing in this film. (laughs) Been a long time since I've seen that. All right, so this movie mm-hmm. definitely get a James Bond opening. Oh yeah, in this one, and and I think right from the get go, you definitely get a lighter tone, but it's not a silly. It's not silly. No, but they're definitely like, from the Benji with his like camouflage thing on and this banter going back and forth with Brant back at the. Yes. IMF headquarters. I, I especially like, I'm on the plane. How did you get it in the plane? Not in the plane, on the plane. I'm on the plane, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and this is probably the most famous moment from the movie. Oh, yeah. Where the plane takes off and he's hanging on the outside of it. Yeah, and it, I, I, 
I like the the entire I like the, the whole sequence. Benji opens mm-hmm. the wrong door and then when he opens the right door, he almost gets blown out the wrong door. That's like the one time that well, I mean, that's obviously not a legitimate stunt. That's not practical and it shows uh <laughs> there there is some dodgy CGI at, in parts of this movie. Sure. I do like you know, they connect the satellite and Benji is doing things with the plane and they have a very uh audience friendly gooey for his <laughs> yes. app on that tablet <laughs> just i like the one where it just has the giant like no sign in front of it like <laughs> on top of the plane when they're trying to, when he tries to shut the engines off yes and and we'll get that audience friendly gooey again later oh yeah i like how the the goon comes back to check and he sees nothing and then you hear you hear <laughs> yes. tom cruise sidling around he turns around again and there he is and he just there he's gone. <laughs> Trying to push the the thing. Yeah. And we get and the we get the we get scenes from throughout the movie again here. In which, that whole, oh, during the credits, yeah. Yeah, that so in that BSG-esque nice credits again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I and the, the IMF folder is a nice touch because that's also right out of the mm-hmm. the uh the TV show. See, there's Tom Hollander's name. Oh, so it is. Uh, we get London, England. Yes. Although later in the movie, it doesn't say London, England, and I was surprised. Yeah, I was waiting for them to do it again. But yes, we do get London, England. We also get Vienna, Austria later. We do. <laughs> well, I lived in Vienna, Virginia for a while, so thank goodness they cleared better. Yeah, but those. they would. no one would ever, no one ever thinks you mean Vienna, Virginia or London, Ontario. I mean... No. I mean, I... I guess people might not know where Minsk is at the very beginning, but then do we need to know it's in Belarus? Yeah, people don't know where Minsk is. No. But the people who do who don't know where Minsk is, do they even know where Belarus is? I mean Probably not. <laughs> I'll be honest, I get Belarus I get a bunch of those Eastern Bloc countries mixed up on a map. If you show me a blank map of Eastern Europe, I I might get eighty percent of them right. No, I'm with you. I mean, I'm old enough that when I start, when I took my geography class, was the year that the uh, USSR broke up. So, Belarus, yeah. Bulgaria, Romania—those are all three countries mm. that exist, and I could not tell you which is which on a map. And there's several that have Stan in the name. Well, none of them on, none of them in Eastern Europe, but in, yes, in, including no, <laughs> but including Uzbeki, Becky, Stan, Stan. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, so we're in we're in London. London, England, and he goes to a record store that has the name The Vinyl Offer, which I think is a great name. It is a, a great name. A record store. It's a very <laughs> complicated code phrase that he has to go through to get the record. Yes. Yeah, the 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 Thelonious Monk Coltrane album. I also like I mean you don't know it, but you see you see uh Lane sitting in the listening booth. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a record store that has these types of listening booths. I have never I've been to a record store that has a listening booth either. Yeah. I've been to plenty of record stores, but yes, that's a it's a cool idea. It is, yeah. And I, I really like this recording, like the, the, the fake out on this recording. Mm-hmm. Because, again, going back to the TV show, they did a lot of, early on, you know, records were where Jim Phelps and the guy before him, whose name is escaping me now, uh, would get their recordings. So this is a nice homage. And then I love the way it kind of just turns like, you know, normally it would mean this, but it's not because we're not going to do that anymore because we are the syndicate. Yes. I like that. That. Yeah. This would support your suspicion that a shadow organization is committed to inciting revolution by enabling acts of terror in nations friendly to Western interests. IMF suspects this to be the same shadow organization you have been tracking for the last year also known as the Syndicate. IMF would be right. Normally, you and your team would be tasked with infiltrating and disrupting this terrorist network, but we have taken steps to ensure that this will not happen because we are the Syndicate, Mr. Hunt, and now we know who you are. And then the, yeah, the record store clerk dies. Yeah, that's a shame. It is. I like how they call back to it later, and Lane says that he did that because he knew that would mean that Ethan would hunt him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're in D.C., where Alec Baldwin, who is apparently a CIA director, is 
arguing against uh, against leaving the IMF is arguing for the destruction of the IMF. Yes, I was just say Jeremy Renner looks good in a three piece suit. He does, and this is we were talking about this before we recorded too about how tropey this movie can get. Mm-hmm. It, not in a bad way, it just is. And idiot government bureaucrat is certainly a trope that Alec Baldwin is playing here. I mean, he's not entirely wrong where they they do a nice job of tying in the last movie where he says, you know, here's where a a nuclear weapon almost hit the building in San Francisco and here's what happened to the Kremlin and all this stuff. And it could be possible that these people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yes. And I, I enjoy... I enjoy Jeremy Renner's. I, I can. I cannot. Con, I cannot <laughs> confirm or deny anything without without uh, direction from the from the secretary. Which there's, there is no secretary. There is no secretary. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. But then we find out the IMF gets defunded. I believe. Yeah. Or at least disbanded or and whatnot. There is no more IMF. No. Nope. Long live the IMF. <laughs> and then we find that. They, you know, they, they, uh, they gassed Ethan in that listening booth and he wakes up tied to a pole in a standard issue torture room. So I feel like the handcuff keys with the rabbit's foot keychain is an homage to the third movie. I think, yeah, I, I could see that. It's the rabbit's foot. Yeah, exactly. So Rebecca Ferguson comes in, she's the one with the keychain, and she takes off her shoes. And I read somewhere that this was at least a tongue-in-cheek reaction to the Jurassic World movie where they had Ah, Bryce Dallas Howard running around in high heels and people complained about it. Well, what's so bad about that particular part in Jurassic World is Uh Chris Pratt calls her out on it. He says, you know... I don't think you can do this in high heels and like you're not you're not fit you're in your high heels you're not fit for this and she takes a second and she just and she uh tears some thread to make sweatbands but doesn't take off her high heels <laughs> right and it's just like what what was that supposed to what was that scene supposed to signify yeah yeah anyway that actually wasn't a terrible movie Especially when you compare it to the much worse sequel. Oh, the sequel was terrible. <laughs> Ugh. I am still slightly excited for the third one. Okay. <laughs> it's got Sam Neill in it. Yeah. So did Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, we don't speak of Jurassic Park <laughs> Alright, it has Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum... And Laura Linney, yes. No. Laura Dern? Yes, Laura Dern, the person I always (laughs) confuse with Laura Linney. Uh, That's why I said they're saying... They're very different, but okay. They are, but they both have... They're both named Laura. They're both (laughs) named Laura, and in my head I have confused them for years. Okay. I also confuse uh, Linda Park and um, the other Linda. (laughs) The only other Linda that's ever acted. Yes. Linda from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. What is her last name? No, that's Grace Park. You're, Grace, you're confusing, yeah, the, you're confusing the parks. Yeah, see, <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't even know their names. Yes, I confused <laughs> Linda Park and Grace Park because they both have Park. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. Laura Dern, not Laura Linney. Uh, but anyway, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill are all going to be in the third Jurassic World. And the last time they were all together in a Jurassic Park film, it was good. Oh, yes, the first one. <laughs> right, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> they have all been in sequels, but none of they have not all been in sequels at the same time. No, and they've all been bad, the ones they've been in. Lost World is good until they leave the island. That's true. Yes. When it becomes a Godzilla movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I want to know who closed the T-Rex in the cargo hold after he had eaten them all. I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> anyway. Back to this movie. Yes. We can watch Jurassic Park movies next. That's uh, spy related, right? 
Uh, the books have some corporate espionage in them. That's true. I love how these torture people have like the standard issue torture kit. Oh yeah, that they come in with in that briefcase, the bone doctor, um, and the and then you know Rebecca Ferguson gives him the keys to get out of his handcuffs and he can't reach, so he does he climbs the pole. Yep, which he shimmies looks his way up the pole. Absurd, and I'm like for a second I'm like that's not believable, and then I realize I'm watching Tom Cruise, so that means he actually did it. Yeah, and the two of them beat the crap out of these guys. No, I'm just in, I'm enjoying seeing uh, Rebecca Ferguson beat the crap out of these people because she's oh yeah yeah she's she's pretty she's pretty awesome in this movie. And I do like when Tom we talked about her taking off her shoes. I do like when mm-hmm. Tom Cruise says "nice shoes" and the other guy thinks he's talking about him. Yes, <laughs> yes. And the other guy, the Bone Doctor, I this actor I consider him to be sort of a discount Christopher Hyredall. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but yes, this this whole scene is great. I I, yep. I enjoy. Everything I enjoy everything about Rebecca Ferguson's character. Then mm-hmm. she lets him escape. Yeah. So here's my my one nitpick here mm-hmm. is, and it happens twice. There's no way these people take her back. Yes. And think that everything's okay. Yeah. And yeah, and these the, guys. The, the the first time, she, the second time, like when she meets up, Lane just straight up says, "All is forgiven." It's like what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the callback to yeah. the first movie when he calls in and uses the code and everything mm-hmm. that he said, you know, the it's basically a beat for beat from the from the first yes. movie. Yep. And this is where uh, he learns that the IMF is being shut down. Mm hmm. So he disappears. And but, yeah. he, but but they find out that there's some some weird connection with people that are have been declared dead. Yes. That the bone doctor is somebody who. And six months later, the CIA is coming up on their his presumed location in Cuba. Well, I, I like the, the, the juxtaposition of Alec Baldwin saying, you know, set your watch, Brant. It's the last day of Ethan Hunt's life or something like that, and it's like six months later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is, they do the trope that we see often in movies, where mm-hmm. we see the CIA coming up on a door, we see Tom Cruise inside a small room, and then they open the door and we find out that they are two different rooms. That's a really good speaker on his phone. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we see that he's got a he left a whole thing there. Uh, probably hoping the CIA will actually try to hunt down the syndicate. If they, yeah. And it's got and we have return. We have the return of uh, we, this time we've got to check off. Uh, from one from one movie to the next, we have Tom Cruise's very good portrait drawing skills. Yes, because he's got a he's the portrait of Lane and Lane and Rebecca Ferguson's character. Yep. His last name I've forgotten. Ilsa something. Ilsa, because it doesn't really go with her. Ilsa Faust. Yes, that's it. Ilsa Faust. Yep. And we see that Benji is filling his time by playing Halo Five. So my thing. Benji sees... I know what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, you probably do. Benji yeah. sees in the mirror the guy coming and quick mm-hmm. changes. The guy was walking down the long hallway behind him. He yep. saw everything. He did. He yep. saw him quick change it over to work. Yep. What is this accomplishing? <laughs> Other than know. to sell copies of Halo. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's clear product placement. The other it. thing is... He's playing Halo on a three-monitor setup. He's playing the Xbox version of Halo. <laughs> you can't do that with an Xbox. Nope. You can't. You can't. There's no... Uh, the Xbox doesn't let you do a three-monitor setup like that. You can't... That's not a thing that's possible. <laughs> so so of all the... I mean, it is Mission Impossible. Yes! And Why? of all the things in this movie that you're going to say is impossible, you're going to focus on multiple monitors on an Xbox? Yes! Okay. Actually, I am. Because it's ridiculous. You can't do that. Yeah. You, one sc- you have one screen connected to the Xbox. And even if you could do mul- if you could span the image across multiple monitors, it would it would you would need to have four. Like I could see it hooked up to something to span it, you know, like that's some sort of third-party box in between. Mhm. But you couldn't do that with a three-monitor setup like that. You would have to do a four-monitor setup so it was still the same aspect ratio. Okay. 
because the Xbox is still only outputting one display. Gotcha. But I like the idea is that, yeah, Benji is just not caring about anything because the IMF's been disbanded. Yep. And he gets hauled in every week to do a polygraph to see that if he's been talking to Ethan. I appreciate that Benji is such a nerd that if he gets tickets to the Vienna Opera, he immediately hops on a plane and goes there. Yes. I mean, it's Torrendo. Why wouldn't you go? I don't care about opera, so I probably wouldn't go. Oh, okay. I would, like, sell the tickets or something. <laughs> that would have made a very different movie. <laughs> I know, right? Benji <laughs> sells the tickets some other random <laughs> guy. <laughs> Like, I would be like, oh, that's cool. I got tickets to the Vienna Opera, but I would still have to pay for a plane to Vienna, so... But I also appreciate... This This is one of those moments that lets you realize how small Europe is. Yes. Where he's uh, he gets tickets to go to Vienna that day, and he's he just goes. Of course, this is back when Britain was in the EU, so... Well, is he in Britain? That's a great question, actually. I assumed he was you know, in Britain. Assume- actually, you know, I think he's... He's probably in in the states, yeah. Yeah. So he just he just hopped an international flight. I'm I'm just yeah. Which is still possible to do. Although if they were for that night, like that must have been super early in the morning for him to still be able to make it. Yeah. I don't think he could with the time change and the and all that. Yeah. Are are we sure they were for that night or maybe they were for the next day? Oh, maybe. That makes or for more some sense. time because yeah. But yes, now we are in Vienna, Austria. Mhm. As opposed to that other Vienna. Yep. It would have it would have been super easy for him to get to Vienna, Virginia from Langley. It would have been. It's not that far. <laughs> you just hop on the subway. Well, it the is metro, the beltway. It is the beltway. It might be similar time to get to Austria. Uh, oh, that's true. Rush hour traffic, man. So now I'm getting like weird flashbacks to Quantum of Solace here as we're going to the opera. Because this is yes, the second, very, second yeah, spy movie. Yeah, I definitely movie. thought about that too. This this scene works better. Yes. Why are there so many different shooters? Why are there three? Why did the syndicate have three different shooters here? Uh, because they're testing Rebecca Ferguson, right? I guess. Because I think the whole plan was she has to go shoot the chancellor. And if she doesn't, one of the other shooters shoots the chancellor and the other one, the third one takes her out. Okay. Okay. Now I'm following. Yeah. Okay. Because we get... We get the flute guy. Like I, I've never seen. We're gonna conceal a weapon in a bass flute. So that's that's a new one for me. Uh, it worked. Yeah. And then we get a guy who I just think looks like Discount Stamper from Tomorrow Never Dies, but the most Aryan of Aryan people. <laughs> just a bit. Yes. Yeah. So we got that guy, and then the other guy who like straight up looks like the Terminator. Yeah. The, the fake police guy? Yes. Mm-hmm. And... I, I, I want to know where they get, like, this this weird technology where he has the program that turns into a laptop. Yeah, that's cool. With the rapid response uh, e-ink display. Yeah, I, I want... The e-ink is a really nice touch, I think. That it's it's not a nice a, touch. It doesn't... Rather, it's... Yeah. That kind of e-ink with that kind of response time doesn't exist, but it's no. a nice touch. And I really like Benji's line here where he's like, join the IMF, see the world, on a monitor, in a closet. Because yes. that's, that's what he does. And I'm going to quibble slightly. I mean, I, I think this whole thing works really well. Uh, you know, Ethan's trailing multiple people and ends up on a catwalk. And there, there's a, a fight, and it's really well-timed with the music that's going on because there's an opera being performed and all that stuff. They cover about two hours' worth of the opera in a five-minute fight <laughs> sequence. <laughs> and How long is the opera? I think it's three acts. How long is it act? I don't know. Maybe it's probably like a three-hour production. Yeah, I would have sold Which those isn't tickets. that long for some operas. No, I get that, but I would have sold those tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I would not yeah. fly to Vienna to listen to people sing in a language I don't understand for three hours. <laughs> I will be willing to bet you have not seen this movie. Uh, <laughs> Probably. But so there's what I think is a definite homage here to a Hitchcock film, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Where I there's... am aware of it. Okay. So the whole ending is involving... Um, there's I've seen plot. the Bill Murray movie, The Man Who Knew Too Little. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen that one, actually. <laughs> but it's a similar thing where there's going to be a murder, and it's ta- in, the, in the Hitchcock film, it's timed with a cymbal crash in a symphony. Aha. And... So the, the the way that they time the gunshot here with with the actual performance of the opera, I'm wondering if that's a an homage to that. And I will I will say this song does is pretty cool. I, I actually I bought this song on iTunes because of this movie when the movie the, came out. Nessendorma. Nessendorma, yeah. Oh yeah. I have really good things to say about the score of the film in general. I think Joe oh, Kramer yeah. does a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. And I really like that he uses that theme as a theme mm-hmm. for Ilsa throughout the film, which I think is really nice. But yeah, the so you know the curtain goes up at the beginning of the opera, and then there's there the scene where that melody comes in a little bit at the beginning. That's actually an act earlier than the the aria itself, which they sing like right afterwards. So oh well, it's done for dramatic effect, and that's the song that anyone would recognize if they have ever heard anything of this opera. So. It's the one that uh, Pavarotti would always do with the three tenor tours. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. so that I think that's it, the version I bought. Yep. Yeah. But yes, it's a it's a very good it's a very good yeah. piece of music. I like Ethan going. So he's what trailing. is the so? Okay, mm-hmm. what is the opera about? I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I figured since you knew what happened in different acts, you knew about you knew some things about this opera. I've heard parts of it. I, I I don't speak Italian. I don't really know much of the story. Fair enough. Actually, I don't know any of the story. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I know that one piece, and I know that Puccini died before finishing it, and it was finished by somebody else. That's about all I know. Okay. But, yeah, I, I like... So the, the flute guy is up on the catwalk, and Ethan's going after him, and then the, the e-ink thing glitches, and... Benji hits the computer yes. and it causes the catwalk to go up in the air and he just has this look on his face. Yeah. And I, I like how the 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 tech is just like, I don't know what happened. Whatever. Yep. Also, that's how I knew that they were speaking real German because she says she's fighting which which is one of the few German lines I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess the cop kills them off yeah, the screen. Cop, the, like the, it's the, not shown that closely whether he killed the techs or just incapacitated them i'm gonna guess he killed them probably killed them yeah yeah and yet with those sunglasses he just looks like the terminator or duke nukem there's <laughs> a bit of a casper van Dien look to him too with that chin yeah a little bit you know, this, very is the much kind a... of, this is the kind of role casper van Dien would probably be getting at this point in his career <laughs> sorry casper van Dien, if you listen to the show oh boy uh i mean 
It would be okay. all uphill. Anything is uphill from uh, Starship Troopers 3. <laughs> yes. So I have to give Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise's ego a bit of credit for the sight gag where he's <laughs> fighting the flute guy and the flute guy stands up and just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I know Tom Cruise is short. And that's probably something that bothers him or is he sensitive about or something, you know? Oh, but. you know, absolutely. Because he's often shot in such a way to hide yeah. his height. Yeah. yeah. So I, I appreciate that they went with it on that shot. Also, we get another one of the... Because I, I talked about this before we started recording, but this movie has so many action movie and spy movie tropes in it, but I think mm -hmm. it does them well. We get one of them here in this fight where Tom Cruise hits the guy and he doesn't react. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, we've got the multiple people shooting mm -hmm. and Ethan sees after, after taking out the, the one guy on the catwalk, he sees Duke Nukem and Rebecca Ferguson there. And or Casper Handeem, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the other guy <laughs> and Rebecca yep. Ferguson. And he realizes the only way that he can prevent the Austrian Chancellor from being assassinated is to shoot him himself. Yes. And I was like, good thing he's a good shot. Because that could have ended poorly. Oh, yes, for sure. Well, I mean, it still will, but that's besides yeah. the point. No, he really does look like Duke Nukem now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> he's here to assassinate Austrians and chew bubblegum, and he's all out of bubblegum. <laughs> but yeah, now the whole opera house is on lockdown because the mm -hmm. chancellor was just, a, there was just an assassination attempt. Yep. And I, I, I do enjoy that Tom Cruise tells Rebecca Ferguson that he has a way out when he doesn't really have a way out. Nope. He does not. And the, I, I like again. She, uh, she asks him to take off her shoes before they run across the rooftop, which is a nice. And then they put a lot of faith in that banner. Yeah, I mean that's also a trope. Oh yeah, and it falling as soon as they walk away. Oh yeah, definitely mm -hmm. a trope. And then the chancellor dies because the car blows. Because they blew up his car. <laughs> right as he's like, oh, nothing's nothing's gonna happen to me. Did they ever explain why they wanted the chancellor dead? Um, it was just a test for her, I think, because they're they're trying to. She's proving her loyalty. Well, to... presumably there was a reason for it as well, though. Like he was, yeah, because he's been doing all kinds of stuff. That's yeah. I don't I don't know if they ever explained that or not. I I like Benji's reaction when he sees that she's in the car too, and he's like, she tried to shoot me, and Tom Cruise says that's not that doesn't make her a bad person. <laughs> and then they throw her out of the car so it looks like she was mm -hmm. escaping them yep so it does say less than 24 hours after they interviewed uh benji so i guess it must have been for the next night yeah it's the only way it makes sense right i like how imf has been disbanded but they always have these hidden caches of mm -hmm. stuff well that happens every time imf gets disbanded mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> You know, I, I I would enjoy a low-stakes Mission Impossible where IMF is not in danger at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they threw that out in the first movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It'd kind of be like a James Bond movie where Bond is following orders the whole time. <laughs> be like one of the books. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, in, like he actually does in the books. Mm-hmm. Surprise, the, fir the entire first act of the movie is watching them play bridge. <laughs> yes, the entire first act of the movie is Bond getting, uh, catching the bad guy in bridge, in his bridge cheating. Yep. Oh, so, of course, Duke Nukem's name is Richter. Yes, naturally. See you at the party, Richter! <laughs> Here we get a whole lot of exposition. Just all the exposition, yes. And Benji is insisting that he be allowed to stay to help. Mm -hmm. I like how he's like, I'm not leaving, no. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to tell me what to do. And here's where we finally meet Lane. Uh, they take Elsa back to him. I don't think I've ever seen Sean Harris in anything else other than 
the second one of these movies. I feel like I have to have seen him in something else, though, right? Like, he looks I, like the kind of guy you would see in things. He does. His voice is weird, and I think it works for the... Like, his voice is higher pitched than you'd expect it to be or something. I don't know. But... Well, IMDb I, says he's known for these two movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and he was in... He played Macduff in one of the Macbeths. Yeah. He's done a bunch of British TV. Well, that's because he's a British actor. Sure. They all do a lot of British TV. But, yeah, no, I can't think of anything else. No. Just looking at the list, I'm not seeing any... Oh, he was in Prometheus. Oh, not the Prometheus. No, the Prometheus I'm thinking of. Yeah, he was in Prometheus. Oh. Oh. The alien prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember his character in Prometheus, but he was in it. What a waste of a massive cast. I mean, it was... Better than Covenant? Alien Covenant. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, boy, that was a terrible movie. Yep. And just, like, messed up, like, so much of everything. Like, they were setting up some cool lore, and then they had to do that. Right. Anyway. So, all right, Benji is reading the lipstick USB stick Yes. that uh, Ilsa left behind. And he talks about how it's a skiff, a secure computer facility. That's not what which is not what a skiff is. No, it's sensitive compartmented information facility. Yeah, I like how that's. I think that's the only note that we have in common this week. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's like a room where you go to read classified material. Or if you're a Republican lawmaker, you film with yourself. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But so. Funnily enough, the closed captions that I have have skiff spelled S K I F F. Like the boat? Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Which, so the closed captions people don't know what a skiff is either. It's essentially a digital safety deposit box. N- no, not really. Yeah, no. That also when they talk about the anti IMF, mm-hmm. wouldn't the anti IMF be like a possible mission force? <laughs> Show title. <laughs> oh yeah, no. My subtitles also say skiff, and mine is a uh, ger- the the one that I'm looking at here is uh is one that I ripped directly from the Blu-ray. So the official Blu-ray oh. subtitles say SKI. <laughs> <laughs> Well, further proving that the filmmakers don't know what a skiff is. Here we are. We end up at the house with Rebecca Ferguson doing some Chekhov's uh, breath exercises. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah. So here's my here's a question I have for you. If you have a super sensitive computer that has a, so much so much information and everything that it has to be cooled by a Taurus water thing. Okay. Here's. I what? don't understand that at all. No, I don't either. My, my question, though, is if you have something that has to be cooled like that, why do you put it in Casablanca in the desert? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> but beyond yeah. that, yep. why do you need to cool data storage like that? If you're doing, like, if it's a supercomputer and it's doing, you know, lots of computations and whatnot, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You don't need to s- cool your data. You don't need a liquid-cooled data storage. That is not even a thing. No. Data storage just sits there until you need it. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only way that you would possibly is if it's, like, somehow, like, orders of magnitude faster flash memory than is available on the market today. Because, like, some of the really high-end solid-state drives do actually produce some heat. Not enough that you would need to liquid cool them. No. But some heat. So, like, yeah, no, I just have so much trouble with this entire concept. Yeah. And I don't even think in 2015 the idea of cooling data storage was even an idea at all. Like, that's only been in the last couple years that they've started that they've started to put heat sinks on some really fast SSDs. Mm-hmm. But then we're just talking about heat sinks. We're not talking about whatever the hell this is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Th- this is a 
something we set up so we can have a heist. Yes. And it's, I feel like every Mission Impossible movie has Luther getting off a helicopter. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's like, what else do they store in this thing? Yeah, everything, I, apparently. I, I like this fake out here where Benji gets to be excited because he was going to wear a mask. And <laughs> yes. I'm almost positive that the shot of him putting on the mask, that's not Tom Cruise. They're doing, like, the Terminator trick shot where that's not a mirror. Yes. So, like, Benji puts it on and it's the actual actor on the other side pretending like he's in the mirror. I don't think gate recognition is a thing. No, I don't think so, but it's cool. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I don't... Uh, I don't think it... It seems unlikely that that would even be a thing at all. Right. Like, there are so many other things that they could use to figure it out. I, I like how we get the shot of him, you know, getting shot while he's... When they... Yeah. <laughs> that's Yeah. Cool. You're like, okay, that won't work. And then I have questions like, so you have this water-cooled... Thing, but you can open the contacts for the memory storage with the water and there's a hatch that you can only open from the inside because if you're on the outside the pressure will hit you but won't the pressure be a problem on the inside too you'd think uh yeah there's a lot about this this is just weird mm -hmm. it's they just needed a this is this cool is probably my scene. least favorite part of the movie and it's supposed to be like the big set piece yeah well they needed something uh, right. The the first movie set this up because the first movie has the the you know mm -hmm. suspend from the air thing, and then they need something like that in every movie, so they had to do this. But yeah, I agree. This is and I, it doesn't bother me to the point where I it affects the my enjoyment of the movie, but it's just not probably not my it's not my favorite part of the movie. It's yeah probably the weakest little thing. I liked uh, the camera wall in the Kremlin better. Yes. Although that was also not believable. Slightly more believable than this. Yeah. So, yeah, they go, they go in and they've got the thing that they can just turn it on and off now. Well, instead of putting the picture in front of it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. And Tom Cruise jumps down the Sarlacc. I thought it looked like a sandworm. That too. Maybe because it's Rebecca Ferguson, I was thinking sandworms. Um, mm, maybe because I just watched Book of Boba Fett, I was thinking Sarlacc. Ah, uh, we should talk about that off offline. Um, yes. <laughs> We've talked about enough other things. That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, because I've been watching Mad Men, every time they said Lane, I started thinking about... Oh, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I started thinking that... Jared um, Harris is gonna. Jared Harris Jared would, Harris would actually work. absolutely be in a Mission Impossible movie. He, that would be he great. Would, he could play that part, I think, really well. Oh yeah, I like Jared Harris in pretty much everything. Yep, he's one of my favorite Moriarty's. Mm. Yeah, he's he's another one of those actors who I can't ever say. Well, he was terrible in that movie, or that. No, that I have never seen anything that was terrible because of him. No, so Tom Cruise has to jump into this thing and hold his breath for four minutes or so. Yes. And apparently he did breath training and stuff and actually could hold his breath for six minutes. Holy crap. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Tom Cruise is not human. No. <laughs> like, he's whatever the heck Xenu was, apparently. <laughs> okay. He pulls off the cover of yep. the data storage thing. Mm -hmm. It immediately changes from blue to red. Yep. Then, after he gets buffeted about and a bunch of stuff happens, he manages to put the new card in. Mm -hmm. It immediately changes color when he puts the new card in. Back to blue. Yeah. But he didn't put the cover on. So, here's a question for you. If it has a thing sensor in there that turns it red, isn't there a board somewhere to tell people that this thing was opened? I would sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Also, that's a weird design to have that centrifuge thing that keeps swinging around. I'm Almost assuming like it's there to, like... Access something? Yeah, access the data or something, but yeah, it's weird. All of this makes no sense. It sort of reminds me of the thing that was in uh, Rogue One. <laughs> yes. Where they had, to, they had to play, like, the claw game to get the Death Star plans. Also, like, what are these data cards? These are, like, the things that they use on the USS Enterprise. Yeah, isolinear chips. Yeah. Oh, and here's 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 another one of your movie tropes. You know, he drops the two cards, and which one's which? Oh yeah, <laughs> and he just happens to get it right. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. 
And Rebecca Ferguson goes in and pulls him out, thanks to the Chekhov's breath training. Those cards actually look like they have punches, like hole punch cards from like yes. the really old days of computers. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that's just weird about this. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson comes in and rescues him. Yeah. Also, that's not how drowning works. It's not how defibrillators work either. No. Well, every movie gets that wrong. <laughs> and we have to have the gratuitous Rebecca Ferguson taking off her clothes scene. Yeah, because that was necessary. Oh, for sure. And now, yeah, she steals the data and is off on her motorcycle. And what on earth is Tom Cruise wearing? <laughs> <laughs> Something to make him readily discernible, I guess, in the action sequences? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it is quite the shirt. I enjoy also the... Benji. Benji getting hit with the defibrillator would possibly stop his heart. Yes, wasn't that the whole thing? Like he wanted to use a defibrillator to stop his heart in the last movie, in two movies, or ago, I guess. or to stop Carrie uh, Russell's heart at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I enjoy. I like that. Yeah, Tom Cruise isn't quite with it after coming back from the dead, and I I mm -hmm. really like yo know, Benji's like you were just dead. He's like, what are you talking about? I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like when they steal the they take the car and they almost run right into Brant. And, yes, and, 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 and the look on Benji's wave. face is so good. Yes, <laughs> I, I know, and that's another trope. Yep. <laughs> where you you know they're looking for the person and then there they are yep. yeah that that um african weave woven shirt or whatever yes. that's that's a look that's what i'm saying what the <laughs> heck is he wearing and we get a little buddy cop moment here when brant and luther are arguing because oh you had Lu to get the you had to get the four had, <laughs> and he's does like an eight point turn mm-hmm and i like I like the drive down the down the stairs. Now this, like this is all real. Like they, mm -hmm. and I think it's one of the things that I like. One of the reasons I really like the movie, as opposed to oh, I don't know, a, a Marvel movie where they CGI everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, th this just it just feels so much because well, it is real. You know, but like, these are really good stunts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I like at one point uh, Ethan asked Benji if he has his seatbelt on. <laughs> Like, yes, you're just you're, you're asking, asking me that, that now. now? <laughs> <laughs> and then even with their seatbelts on, that crash would have killed them. Yes. Every once in a while, these films will do. They'll go one too far. I think. Yes. That crash, though, reminds me of in uh, Born Ultimatum when he drives off the parking lot roof. Mm -hmm. Where, again, it's like there's no way he's getting out of that car. But at least that one, it just lands and falls over it doesn't flip over like 18 times but as they're upside down in their car and unable to get out which is yep. a trope in and of itself mm -hmm. uh we've got the bad guy gets off his motorcycle is walking over to them and gets run over by brant yes which is which is another trope another trope yes <laughs> and I, it this just does them so well that i'm okay with it mm -hmm. like in a lot of other movies they say oh that's that's a tired Used, but it, I don't know. It, it it all just works really well in this movie for me. Then we've got the motorcycle highway chase. Mm -hmm. I will say that this is the second time that this has happened in this movie where you have a really well executed action scene that doesn't accomplish anything. Yes. Also, he would not have survived that crash at the end. No. Let let alone not have any scratches on him. Right. But yeah, he's not wearing any, a helmet or anything when he wipes. He forces his bike to wipe out because yeah, no, that Rebecca Ferguson stands in the middle of the ro road. You know, I need to look up to see at some point whether how much of this Tom Cruise really did because I could see them really taking issue with him riding without a helmet. Yeah, the insurance company would really hate that. And now we're back in London, England, but they don't tell us that. No. Oh, yeah, we also learned that they... We also learned that Benji made a copy before we go to London, England. Yes, of course he did. And this is where... Ilsa is meeting up with her, I guess, MI6? I don't know. British Secret Service of some kind. Yep. Atlee, I think his name is. Yes. Who's another guy that I'm... He's just one of those British that guys, I think. Oh, yeah. I've seen him in things. Or, yep. You know who he kind of reminds me of? A British version of that one Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, the... 
the wimpy one. Yeah. <laughs> For the lack of a better word. <laughs> the, the one guy who was like the, the tour guide at the beginning. Yes. And, who was, and, yeah, and the guy they leave behind in the thing in the in the, in yeah, the mini series, they leave him behind mm-hmm. on the station. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy. And he's like, I'm not a Cylon, and it turns out he is. Yes. Anyway, he kind of reminds me of that guy. Okay. And, and I will how... say, I'm I'm impressed that because Christopher McQuarrie knows a thing or two about making convoluted movies. Yes. And there's a lot of twists and turns going on in here, but it always it I never got lost or was yeah. Confused other than the kind you're supposed to be confused by. Like, if that makes any sense at all. Like, if oh, I was it confused, it's because I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Not because they told a convoluted story that didn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, and this is the guy that wrote The Usual Suspects. So. Indeed. He also did Jack Reacher, but we won't talk about that one. Uh, the first Jack Reacher was okay. It was all right. Did he also do the second Jack Reacher? I don't think so. Because that was terrible. No, I don't. Think he did the second one? I mean, he has a very mixed uh, filmography as a writer because mm. he did he did Valkyrie, which I didn't hate. No, uh, he did Does the he Usual only Suspects. Did Tom Cruise? Oh, Tom Cruise isn't in Usual Suspects. No, he's not. Um, but then he also wrote The Tourist. I don't know The Tourist. The movie with um, uh, Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie. Nope, it's terrible. Okay. Uh, do not recommend. Uh, he also wrote the Mummy, the Tom the Tom Cruise, Cruise Mummy. One. Oh God! <laughs> oh, he wrote so the, he, he done he wrote a lot Tom, of work with Tom Cruise. Then, yeah, he has he did so. Starting with this movie, he did this movie with Tom Cruise, the Mummy <laughs> yes. with Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible Fallout with Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible Seven and Eight with Tom Cruise, and then Untitled Tom Cruise slash SpaceX Project. Oh, according okay. to IMDb. And then he, you said he also did Valkyrie. That's Tom Cruise. Yep. So, yeah, there's a lot of Tom Cruise in there. All right, so I'm not sure this is a real thing. <laughs> Tom Unti- Cruise? <laughs> un- untitled Tom Cruise slash SpaceX project is... Right. It's directed by Doug Lyman, because why not? Uh, I don't know who that is. He directed uh, The Born Identity. Okay. And... Uh, uh, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith and a few other action movies. Okay. The, the description of the movie, the, the description Smith. of this says a features with an S film about the amazing real space stunts in, in latest mission impossible films planned to be shot in the ISS with help from NASA and SpaceX. No, this is not real. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a $200 million budget estimated. No, nope. this is no. completely fake. <laughs> yeah. Cheater. Uh we get the scene that we have in every Mission Impossible movie where they have to try to they try to talk Tom Cruise out of his plan. Yeah, of course. It, that doesn't work. We also find out that the USB drive is what's called a red box, which is an encrypted drive that can only be opened with the voice print of the British Prime Minister. So it all rests on Boris Johnson. Oh dear. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather point, have Tom Hollander been, as the It would have been David Cameron at this point, I think. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. But, yeah. I mean, I've seen red boxes in plenty of British productions that the government people carry around papers and stuff in, so I guess... Yeah! yeah. Why not? Yeah, no, now that I think about it, that makes... Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, it also goes back to Lane. He says all is forgiven. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that makes sense. For being a, a criminal mastermind, he's pretty gullible. Just a bit. Well, I think he thinks he's playing her. Maybe. And I like how we find out that this disc is actually a way of accessing a lot of money. Yes, a freaking yeah. ton of money. Like, an absurd F- amount of money. $50 billion or something? 50 billion pounds, I or think. Or pounds, yeah, okay. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's talking, he's talking to Ilsa in the airport, and it was all a ploy so that they could distract him and, and kidnap Benji. Yeah. So now we have to steal the prime minister. Because <laughs> Benji's going to get killed by midnight, I think, unless they open the red box. Yes, and they need yep. the prime minister to do that. Yep. Which, and I, I, I really, I really like this this scene. I actually, I thought Tom Cruise was Alec Baldwin the first time I watched this. I, I didn't. Yes. Realize, I didn't realize he was Atley. Yeah, I, I think I had the same thought. 
In, in fact, I haven't seen this since it came out, so I was thinking, oh, it's got he's got to be Alec Baldwin, and no. Yeah. So the this works this works really well because they get the prime minister to basically tell them everything. Mm-hmm. And I do very much enjoy. I enjoy when Tom Cruise pulls off the mask, and Alec Baldwin is just like hunt. Yeah. <laughs> With like the dramatic push in. Yeah. You know? And here we find out that Atlee set up. Um, the syndicate and the prime minister wanted nothing to do with it. Yep. And they used the suggestion drug that they gave the prime minister to get him to give them the password. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is an awfully compli- complicated thing for somebody who's just been hit with a drug dart. Just a but, bit. But it works. And yeah. the it, it does work. And I like that the, they, yes. And they managed to, you know, basically suggest to the prime minister that that Atlee shot him because from his perspective that's what happened and then and then Alec Baldwin saved him. He's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now they unlock the red box and yes, it is tons of money. Mm-hmm. 2. Point, oh, it's 2.4 billion pounds. Oh, okay. That's still okay, a lot of money. Yeah, but it's not like that much money. It's like Jeff Bezos' pocket change. True. And Benji's got a bomb on him. Benji's got a bomb on him, but they they uh, they destroy the the disc before they can, so Lane can't get it. Yep. Oh yeah, here's where we find out what's on the disc. Sorry. Yes. Uh, so then he goes he goes to the meetup. Benji's got a bomb. He convinces. We all, we now learn that Ethan Hunt, in addition to all these other things, has a photographic memory and memorized all the uh, bank accounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything Ethan Hunt can't do? It wouldn't seem to be. No. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a that's one way to do it. He can't let now Lane can't kill him. Nope. So he forces him to let Benji go. And then we've got, you know, all sorts of interesting standoffs happening. And stopped with point one nine seconds to go. Yes. Just not too that much. That was close. Yeah, that was close. Not too much room for error there. Mm-mm. There's just a whole bunch of chase scene basically at this point, and he, at one point, he runs through a window, and I'm really not sure he needed to do that. No, I think that was just Tom Cruise being like, "I it would be really cool if I dove through that window right now." Yeah. Well, I like the you know the shot of them going one way, and then he comes flying out the window on the other side. But yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's really needed. Could have opened the window. Could have. Uh, the Bone Doctor, again, shows he's a very bad aim. Yep, and Ilsa kills him. It's a good knife fight. Mm-hmm. Don't get many knife fights anymore in movies. And I, I enjoy that they managed to trick Lane into falling into a into a glass box. Yeah, I don't know quite where the glass box comes from, but it's okay. And I like the, uh, the parallel to the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and this also feels a lot like Spectre to me. A Wasn't little bit, a yeah. Glass box and Spectre? Mm-hmm. I thought so. Well, because he's behind the glass wall at MI6 headquarters. Right, that's where at it one was. Point. Yeah, yeah. Because Bond shoots the glass and it makes the spider shape. Because yeah, yay so, fan service. All right, so Lane's in this tiny glass box. He pulls out his gun, shoots a whole bunch of bullets. Yep. Where are the bullets? <laughs> like you see the damage to the glass, but like the bullets themselves should be ricocheting off that glass and falling to the ground, and mm-hmm. there are no bullets. <laughs> Nope, it's almost like he was shooting wax bullets at the glass. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't break the glass. Yeah. So now, of course, Alec Baldwin is telling Senate committee that it, this was all his plan all along. Mm-hmm. Of course and, it was. And Jeremy Renner says that he can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now, apparently, Alec Baldwin is the secretary of the IMF. Yep. Which, if the if it's consistent with the TV show, is the secretary of state. Ah, my only problem with this, and it's it's entirely on me, is that thanks to recent appearances, I just think of Donald Trump now when I see Alec Baldwin at this age. Mm, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> China. China. Oh, God. <laughs> you do that too well. <laughs> and, I li- and I like the, uh, the closeout credits here with all the names again. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was... Rogue Nation, which I think is just a pretty great movie. It is. I may I may have to rethink my because we talked about how the I think for both of us the third one was our favorite, and I think this might be better than that one. 
Yeah, I was thinking that as well. And I don't remember this. I mean, I remember watching this, this, the next one, but it's been a while. I remember really enjoying the next one, but I don't think it's as good as this one. Okay. But I could be have a different opinion next week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this movie, what was it, six years ago? Yeah. Seven yeah. years ago almost now. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. That is uh, Rogue Nation. We we have one more film in the in our run through the Mission Impossible films. License to Spiel will return with Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> <laughs>